1: Hello and welcome to the Rover Rapport podcast in association with Sunderland Community Soup Kitchen. My name's Rich Spade, I'm standing in for Chris Wynn this week and I'm delighted to be joined down the line this afternoon by Ben Watts, who is BBC Radio Kent's Gillingham commentator. Let's dive straight into it, shall we? It's, it's been a bit of a difficult season so far for the Gills, hasn't it? started off okay but has, uh, has gone a little bit downhill in recent weeks.
0: Yeah I'd say it's been kind of an underwhelming start if you speak to some of the players and management they'll tell you it's been a frustrating season for them so far. They've I guess largely been hard to beat. They've at one stage I think a couple of weeks ago had more draws than anyone else in the division but only had a couple of wins to their name and one of those was at home against Morecambe the other away against Cambridge United so both against promoted teams and I guess in in recent seasons, we've seen Gillingham have the ability to kind of upset teams on their day. If a a big club, say, come to Priestfield or don't turn up at home, Gillingham have got the capacity to go and, uh, and get three points off them. But in the last couple of weeks, they've played against Wigan and against Wickham, shot themselves in the foot, really, conceding two early goals against Wickham. And then Wigan, in the end, as the second half went on, managed to kind of Show their quality and a couple of 2 0 defeats for Gilles. So, of course, heading into this one against another one who Steve Evans would describe as one of the elite teams in League One, Gillingham have got a task on their hands, I guess, to turn around their form or at least turn some of the sort of hard to beat battling performances into more fruitful results. Yeah, certainly. It's been, um, we've always found it a hard
1: trip. I think it's a very, a very long one for Sunderland to get to Kent, uh, to get down to the Medway towns and uh, and and play at a, a, a smaller ground, but one that's always really intense and against yeah Steve Evans's brand of, of football, which um, from a football purist point of view, I don't think uh, is always the most attractive. Would you agree with that?
0: I'd say he often can be uh, direct with his uh, style of play. And I think especially with this Gillingham team, yeah. it makes sense to be when you've got the likes of Adane Oliver up front who wins so many headers in attack in recent weeks. He's been partnering him with John Akindi. So it's like a, a double battering ram almost up front. But the, the guys in midfield try and um, play a bit of football, the likes of, of Danny Lloyd and Carl Dempsey, Alex McDonald. Normally, a, a city midfielder as as well, and they they try and sort of uh, tick through midfield. There's not necessarily loads of width. I guess a lot of their joy ton tends to come from set pieces and from those long throws as well from the from the flanks. So I, I can understand people's viewpoint on uh, Steve Evans style of football. But like you say, I guess Sunderland in in recent times obviously got the the victory in October of last season at Priestfield. But the season before there was the the FA Cup replay, which mm-hmm. Jills um, won in extra time and then the the late winner in front of fans that Conor Ogilvy scored uh, as well in very late on in, in the other uh, league game of the previous season. So yeah, it, it has been, I guess Sunderland have been one of the teams that Gillingham have managed to overcome in, in recent times if, if Sunderland have not quite been at it and Jills have been on it and maybe we'll see a, a, a different story this season because Sunderland seem to have kind of Got their act together a little bit
1: this campaign. Yeah, we're certainly a, a very different outfit from the one that um, you've come up against in the last few years. Obviously, um, the uh, in January came up to the stage my light like, and, and grabbed a, grabbed a point in the last minute as well, which I think was a bit of a sickener for for lots of Sunderland fans. Um, but Steve Evans is, is obviously he talks a lot about having the smallest budget in the in the league. I don't know how he's maybe maybe that's come from the chairman, but um the they did manage to make a, a fair few sign ins over the summer and it was a, a definite mix of youth and, and experience, wasn't it? Um a lot of a lot of uh, journeymen in their late twenties, early thirties, and then some some exciting kids. I mean, we got we picked up uh, a keeper from
0: Chelsea, Jamie Cummins. Uh how, how how's he coming along? Yeah, I think the this kind of the makeup of the team is Similar-ish to, to what they've had in recent seasons. I guess that, that goalkeeper position is one where they've perhaps changed tack, having had the likes of Tomáš holy and, and Jack Bonham in previous seasons, kind of more experienced goalkeepers. Goalmuth coming, who had a, a really good time on loan with Stevenage last season from Chelsea on loan. And he's, he showed what he's about so far. He's a very good shot stopper. He's quite tall. Sometimes he can be a little bit indecisive from the higher ball, but but generally he's been a, a, a well, some Jills fans will tell you an improvement on Jack Bonham. And he got a, a move to the Championship um, with Stoke as their backup goalkeeper. But yeah, Cumming has done really well so far. They've got Aaron Chapman as well, who's a, a backup goalkeeper to him. In defence, Max Eimer has come back from Bristol Rovers. Jules mm-hmm. fans know ex- exactly what he's about and what he can bring. Reese Bennett as well, experienced player. Uh, at This kind of level. Left-back David Totonda's come in and had a bit of a slow start, former Bristol Rovers defender, but he has improved in recent weeks and he's very competent on the ball and certainly likes to get forward. You mentioned some of the, the guys in midfield and you know Danny Lloyd kind of fits that bill. Brought in Charlie Kelman on loan, from Queen's Park Rangers who's a young striker who we've seen kind of glimpses of of what he might be able to offer um, and then the annoying one at the moment for them is, is Dan Phillips who is a, a midfield player they brought in on loan from Watford who was looking really good in the early stages of the season before he was sent off at Shrewsbury and, and has since had an injury and he was at Wickham at the weekend but has got his fo- foot in a, a big boot so he won't be featuring against Sunderland. Mustafa Kario, might winger who's had plenty of matches in the Championship and, and on his day, I think Jill's management hoping he can be a kind of Jordan Graham replacement in the sense that he is a very much a, a traditional winger and likes to beat his man up the line and and get crosses in. So Jill's are hoping that he might be back um, for the game at Priestfield. And then Ryan Jackson, as well has had an injury at right back, again one of those who, who might be coming back into the frame. And the final signing I can think of off the top of my head is Ad Said, who's come in on loan from Norwich City and has done well at times in midfield, but then sometimes more sort of physical game, Wickham game, for example, he wasn't able to to dominate, say, in the same way that he was in the away trip at, against Cambridge United. So, yeah, I think the, the majority of the signings have come in and, and done pretty well without necessarily kind of lighting the league up.
1: Yeah, and... And um, I was I was wondering about your style of play really um, this season if it's if it is still the same kind of Steve Evans long ball given you know given that someone like Ads had come in who, who does have a you know reputation of being like you said being a player the ball and being a, a bit more of a creative um, kind of midfielder and wouldn't necessarily want the ball played over his head all the time um, whether that's really changed the style of play and. And how you've been coping with how they've been coping with injuries? Because I did notice that uh, Titonda picked up an injury at the weekend as well, and you see you there was a, another fullback being injured. So is the squad coping? And you know, how's it how's it coming
0: along in terms of like the developing the style of play? Yeah, regarding injuries, it definitely has affected the form so far this season, and. You mentioned budget. Steve Evans likes to mention budget plenty of times when we talk to him in press conferences. And I think regarding what he's been given from the chairman, it's a it's a good enough budget to go and get good players and be able to pay reasonable wages to, say, an eleven or a thirteen men. But it's not necessarily a budget where you're gonna have a massive squad of players and really good options akin to, say, an Ipswich town or something like that. So when you get a few injuries and they have had them and just rattling off Phillips, Jackson, Carriol, Stuart O'Keefe in recent weeks, like you say, Totonda felt his hamstring on the weekend. So Robbie McKenzie, so far this season, former Hull City defender, has played right back, left back in midfield. He's just been kind of filling in where he's been required. And certainly it has affected the results and the the quality of the team that Steve Evans has been able to put out on the pitch and I asked him a couple of weeks ago and said have you actually put your best 11 or what you feel say going into this season would have been your best 11 onto a field of play at any point this season and he said well the closest to it would have been Burton and even then they were missing a, a fullback and a midfielder and so he hasn't been able to put out his best team so far this season so I think Gillingham supporters understand that the management have kind of had their one hand behind their back in, in that regard. Style of play-wise, you're right to point out that head is more of a ball-playing midfielder. And I think the best example of that was the win away at Cambridge United, where he lined up with Oliver and Akindi up front and you thought, oh, here we go. It's just going to be a bombardment. But actually they won that game by playing through midfield and using head at the base of a diamond. And he was receiving the ball off the defenders and was making everything tick. And then you've got the likes of Lloyd and Dempsey and McDonald who are quite versatile and adaptable and were interchanging positions in the midfield. And it was too much for for Cambridge United to cope with. They've gone with that same kind of shape in the last two games, but Wigan and Wickham have on the other end of the scale had a little bit too much nouse perhaps and experience to, to kind of cope with that. So yeah, I think Jills do still rely on their quality of, say, set piece or crosses to get the ball into to Oliver to score their goals and that long throw tactic is still a real valid option for them. But they are trying to play a little bit more through midfield to utilise, say, their the strengths of a, a Kyle Dempsey. No, it's it's interesting to see how
1: um the style of play overall in League One has developed. Obviously we're down here for the fourth season. And it seems very different. And teams are much more willing to, to play the ball on the ground. Obviously, it's a bit easier early on in the season than it is in the middle of January to keep the ball on the ground. And we certainly saw against Portsmouth uh, what it's like when the weather conditions turn against you. Uh, playing that kind of passing game isn't always necessarily going to gonna get you the results. Um, and and we, we certainly suffered with that. Um, what, I mean... You've mentioned obviously that it's been a bit disappointing with injuries and stuff. What 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 were kind of the expectations really? Because it was mid-table last last year, wasn't it? And and for a time, Gillingham were 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 kind of pushing a little bit for playoffs and and were really effective. Do you think it, come the end of the season? Obviously, we're only ten games in as well. That they will pick back up, or is it going to be a bit more of a, of a struggle with a? Um, probably a more competitive League One than than
0: we've seen. I think it's a good question. Certainly, the last couple of seasons, Jills certainly felt that they were outsiders for the playoffs, and with a late push of results, they could have made it. And that even goes back to twenty twenty when the season was curtailed, and of course, the last game was the one at Stadium of Light, which Mikael Mandron scored that late equaliser to to get a two two draw for jills and i must say the atmosphere was a, was fantastic that day and that stayed with me the whole way through the pandemic until fans were allowed back properly that the atmosphere of, of the crowd that day and just kind of savouring that before uh, we obviously had the season completely behind closed doors and and on to that one and it was pretty much until the oxford united game away from home that Jills were really in with a shout of maybe sneaking in until they let a two-goal lead slip with about nine minutes to play. They conceded three goals. Oxford ended up winning 3-2. Jills had been 2-0 up. If Gillingham had won that day instead of Oxford, then maybe Steve Evans' men would have got through to the playoffs themselves rather than actually it being Oxford United who made it. So certainly the last couple of seasons, making a, a late dash for the playoffs has kind of been the aim and and the hope for supporters, certainly. And going into this season, Steve Evans was kind of seemingly a, a little bit underwhelmed or a little bit unhappy with the budget he'd been given or the players he'd been able to get in because he felt that he was being hamstrung a little bit. And on the verge of the, the Burton game, there was a, an injury doubt over Verdane Oliver and Evans was saying, well, I might be going into that game without a striker how am i supposed to win matches in this league without a recognized centre forward and so i think kind of this season in comparison to the last two you mentioned about the relative strength of the league and it does feel like this season the league is is that much stronger and evans wanted you know some reassurance or at least to feel like his squad was good enough for for him to to carry on it, there was some debate about whether he might walk away if he didn't feel like this team were going to be capable of pushing for, say, top half or pushing for for playoffs. At the moment, you would say kind of middle, middle to lower table is where this team seems to be heading towards. And fans' worst fears will be that it's heading towards a relegation dogfight. But Steve Evans will tell you himself that his teams traditionally tend to improve as the season goes on, normally... Recruit quite well in January as well. So, in his mind, he'll be thinking that this start to the season has been frustrating. It's been a bit of a blip, but things will improve from here on in. So, I think it is interesting to see what the kind of expectations are in comparison to previous seasons because of the fact that, you know, as we're, we're mentioning, the vision is so strong and whether Jills can turn things around again, Steve Evans style going towards the end of the season. Yeah um it's it's going to be a a really interesting season
1: i think there's been so much change in terms of COVID, in terms of you know lots and lots of players are out of contract last year uh, uh, in all clubs at our in Sunderland in Gillingham, you know a lot lot of turnover of players so i think it's a uh, it's still kind of settling down isn't it in many respects um obviously it's it's Oliver who's who's getting the goals so far this season for for Gillingham, and and um, he's a he's an interesting kind of straighter because I think for a long time he was seen as a like as a target man, um, as a kind of a classic centre forward, but there's a little bit more about him than than your average kind of you know big lump up front. He's a, he's got a bit a bit more about him, a bit more skill.
0: Yeah, I think his journey as a Gillingham player so far has been really interesting because, like you say we'd never really kind of seen a prolific season from him prior to last year when he got 20 in all competitions. Mm. And that was akin to really what Tom Eaves produced when he came in as a a Gillingham player and again, had never really kind of hit the the big time at, at any of his previous clubs or in any other division. And yet he went and got 20 in a season, two years in a row before getting his move to Hull City. And so Oliver kind of benefited in a in a similar way to to Eves in that Gillingham liked to get the ball out wide and, and cross it in and saw a lot of goals for Oliver last season, assisted by Jordan Graham from the right-hand side. And also, I think he's benefited as well of the fact that, like you say, although traditionally he would be viewed as a target man and often he is the, the line leader for Gillingham and a lot of aerial duels he wins and he's always top of those stats in the division by a long, long way. But at the same time, when he's, say, playing with a John Akindi, he is able to, to play off him and make the runs in behind. We've seen him just grow in confidence so, so much in, in recent times. I remember when he first joined and Jules were away at MK Dons and he was through one-on-one with a goalkeeper. And at this point, he hadn't scored many and he just kind of lashed it, laces, into the side netting. Whereas now, off the strength of all the goals that he scored, he is just so much more confident and you're you're seeing almost a completely different player. And there is that kind of natural goal scoring instinct a little bit more about him. Having said that, he missed a penalty mm-hmm. at Wickham Wanderers, tried to kind of place it in the top corner and had, as Steve Evans described, his worst outing in a Gillingham shirt. And he, he put a, a social media apology up to the fans after the game. But I think he's got more than enough credit in the bank. He'll definitely bounce back and he's going to be the one I think that Sunderland need to look out for. If they can keep Oliver quiet, if they can probably try and stop the influence of, say, Dempsey from midfield as well. And Carriol, if he is fit enough to play uh, on the one of the wings. Those three guys are probably who Sunderland are going to need to, to shut out in order to go and get the uh, result from the game. Yeah that's that's interesting it's interesting to see about how he's
1: he picked up form it sounds a little bit like the way that Charlie White picked up form for us last season was you know heading in those crosses kind of one touch finishes we're a different outfit this season um more than just Aidan McGeady's crosses uh, we've got a, a a few different outlets and it's never quite um clear exactly who's going to play in the three behind Ross Stewart at the minute Uh, amongst our other forwards. Um, So who do you see as the big threats, looking in from the outside, the big threats to Gillingham uh, on Saturday
0: at Priestfield? This might seem like a a weak answer, but I feel like it's more than just, say, the sum of a couple of individuals. Mm. I mean, yeah, of course, AD McGeady is is always going to be one of those that that you look at and, and like you say, Stuart with the goals that he's got so far this season. But it feels like as I mentioned earlier, that Sunderland have kind of got their act together. And in that sense, credit has got to go to the management, but it's, I guess so far. And what, what we've seen from Sunderland in recent seasons is kind of the, the lack of a momentum at stay at the start of a season. They haven't necessarily, you know, hit the ground running and been able to carry that on. Whereas that has obviously been different this season. And, it's that old cliche, isn't it? The winning breeds a habit. And clearly this group of players have finally kind of shaken off some of the demons from even, you know, the, the relegation seasons that got them into this, this division. There now seems to be that, that different mentality about the group, that ruthlessness, you know, just looking down the, the Sunderland results this season. And it's just a, a wash of W's, isn't it? And it's, it's all about, you know, that succession of, of results and, and keeping that momentum going. So I think from from Gillingham's point of view, like you say, it's not necessarily just about individuals, although I'm sure they'll have a plan specifically to deal with McGeady, but it's probably going to be a case of trying to knock Sunderland off their rhythm and making sure that they don't do what they did against Wickham and give them early goals, which are, are going to give a, a team who are confident already that ability to just go and boss the game and be able to to man manage it and control it as it, it develops. I'm I'm sure it's going to be a battle as
1: it always is down there. Uh, your fans never make it a welcoming place to come from an away a, a perspective and, and hopefully we'll bring a few down. I know that tickets have gone on general sale, so maybe some of our uh, London or South East-based uh, exiles will be able to get down to the game. Um, yes, yeah, so I wanted your kind of final thoughts really about what you think might happen. We sometimes ask for predictions, but... What are you? What are you? What are your thoughts? What you know? What, if you're
0: looking your crystal ball, what kind of game do you think we're going to have on, on Saturday? Like you say, it's got to be a battle, hasn't it? It's going to be a, a physical match up, and Gillingham are going to try and make it difficult for Sunderland. Try and be difficult to break down. One person I haven't mentioned is Jack Tucker, actually, who has had a, a really fine start to his season. Young centre half who's seemingly been getting better and better as the seasons go on. He's going to be important alongside the likes of Maxima to stop Sunderland from, from getting that early goal. The longer Gillingham stay in the game, as we have seen in previous years, the chances of them attacking that random end, that noisy end of fans in the second half, where they can maybe go and, and nick a winning goal. So in that regard, I think if Jills can keep it tight, then potentially they can go and get a draw from this game. Maybe even they can go and nick it. It would require Sunderland to have an off day, I think, because if they turn up, get a goal, can impose themselves on the game, I think um, they'll, be, they'll be too good for Jills. But certainly from the, the home fans' hopes, it'll be about staying in the game, being tough to beat, making it a little bit nasty and uncomfortable for, for Sunderland and maybe seeing if they can go nick something uh, and, and get a goal at the end. Yeah, I think from our perspective, we'll definitely be
1: expecting a battle, but it's that contrast in styles. And like you say, whether we'll be able to break down Gillingham and a lot of the younger players are, are pushing to get starting positions. So I think, in general, it's going to be a really um, interesting contest. I think, uh, come two o'clock when the team sheets are released, that might be uh, one of the, the key moments in the day, really, particularly given the amount of kind of injuries that you've had to deal with and the. And the Kind of three different starting 11s we've got at the minute, and see
0: how Lee Johnson pulls all that together. I hope the I think the weather forecast is better than the game against Wigan, where it was driving rain, it was windy, and the away supporters that were sat in the the end, which of course have got no roof on it, a completely open stand, were were wearing their ponchos and just getting absolutely battered by the weather. I think it would have been better to be out on the pitch rather than sat in that stand so certainly for the for the travelling fans for the sunland supporters i really hope the weather is better than that and they'll be able to enjoy the game without being um, completely miserable in the the rain and the wind <laughs> absolutely
1: <laughs> thanks again ben and thanks for listening sarah